0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans.
1: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth, a radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name is Jeff Shade and as always I'm just here to ask the questions but of course the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing these days Brian? Doing great thanks Jeff. I am glad to hear that as always hope our listeners are doing well today too right smack dab in the middle of summer. Have you had a good summer so far Brian?
2: Uh yeah I mean it's been a really interesting summer uh, unlike others and and just it's nice to see everybody getting back out again uh, Although, uh, yeah, having a issue with the, the new Delta variant yeah. and all of that. But yeah, it's been uh, interesting to get back out, to actually see people again, uh, go to gatherings again. Of course, we the weather's been so good here, too. Uh, so lack of rain. So been outside a lot more this year.
1: So enjoy it while it lasts. We know that the dry weather is going to be over with here. It only rains once a year in Seattle. Once like a year. Here, right?
2: It starts in what, October <laughs> and ends in June.
1: That's exactly right. Well, you were talking about the Delta variant, and I want to talk about current events right now, things in the financial news, or it isn't necessarily financial, but I've seen that the Delta variant is becoming more widespread in many parts of the country where there were not mask mandates. There now are mask mandates in places like, you know, Nevada, Missouri, Arkansas, that sort of thing. Do you see the Delta variant taking us back to the way it was when COVID first came on the scene?
2: No, not really. I mean, I My understanding, I'm not a doctor, of course, my understanding is the Delta variant is many, many, many times more contagious than the original COVID, like a lot more contagious. If you're anywhere near it, you're going to get it kind of thing if you're not vaccinated. But now there's so much confusion out there about all of this. I I don't really want to weigh in. I mean, they say, if you're vaccinated, don't worry about it. But if you're vaccinated, you got to wear a mask. Okay. well, I think the issue is a lot of people aren't vaccinated. A big percentage of the population. So that's their choice. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they kind of want to legislate around that and so forth. So it's become so divisive politically, too. And so, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. But in answer to your question, no, I don't see us going back. Initially, with COVID, we didn't know what it was and what it was going to do and all the shutdowns and so forth. I don't think Americans generally are going to allow for that to happen again, where everything's shut down again especially where we have a vaccine available. So it just it doesn't seem to me we're going to see a repeat of that. We might see pockets uh, where it looks similar to when COVID started. However, I don't see it going all the way back.
1: We've had a decent recovery from the first COVID and things are going along pretty well. I mean, the markets and the economy, not as bad as we expected them to be. Do you see those uh, continuing to be good places to be here as the uh, fall turns to winter?
2: Yeah, it's been a very interesting. I don't think anybody could have predicted uh, what we've had happen since COVID hit. I mean, I I wouldn't have thought we were going to be at record territory in the markets and so forth, and businesses thriving and demand exceeding supply and everything. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Now, if you're out of a job, we're still in a recession. But if uh, if you're you know, like a lot of people, you're doing just fine through COVID. And so it depends on your individual situation whether you think we've had a recovery or not. But I, of course, work with a lot of people that have significant assets invested in markets and real estate. And markets and real estate are up, 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 up pretty much across the board. So they're saying, wow, this, this COVID thing didn't hurt my finances. and In fact, it probably helped them to some degree. And a lot of that is because, you know, you think about the markets, uh, the markets are dominating by large companies that you know weren't really affected by it most of the technology companies uh, gained profitability and market share rather than lost it through all of this because we rely more on technology and we we're stuck at home so the markets themselves uh, did great and of course we know what's happening to real estate all the way across the country it's just it's just on fire and people's priorities have changed and they're higher towards real estate now than they've ever been in the past so we've had some paradigm shifts and and all kinds of things I again I couldn't have predicted that but but yeah, I do expect uh, for continuation. But you know, it's going to be in pockets. It's not going to be across the board necessarily. Never it wasn't before. And uh, but even the areas that were struggling before have all kind of came back. You know, you think about the oil and gas industry. It was in the the tank for a while, and now it's uh, roaring back, and uh, prices are up and everything. So demand is up. So yeah, there's there we continue to see recovery in in all major areas. Again, not if you're not your particular area isn't Mm -hmm. recovered, then I'm using a generalization here.
1: Well, Brian, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that real estate prices, as you said, have reached some all-time highs. And for people investing in real estate, I know that there are some domestic companies who are buying up a lot of these houses and holding on to them or renting them so that they can uh, make a profit a couple of years down the road. But what about foreign investment in real estate? There was a time when a lot of Asian investors were buying up most of the real estate in Seattle. Is that still the case?
2: Right, yeah, No, we had a big shift there really. I mean, if I look back at the chart of foreign investors buying homes in the US, the figures were right around 100 billion a year in uh, 2014, 15, 16. They really went up in 17, 153 billion, 121 billion in 18, and then they dropped down into the 70s and this this last 12 months they're they're in the 50s. So what we've seen is a big, uh, you know, COVID related think, decrease in foreign ownerships of residences in the United States. But everything I'm seeing, the indicators are that that's going to flip-flop. I mean, you know, there was a reason. They couldn't travel for a long time. You couldn't get inspectors. It was too hard to do it remotely. And because our market was so hot, how are you going to, you know, buy a house if you're not even here to be right on top of the house, you know, when when it lists and so forth, like you needed to be this last year and a half so I think we're going to see a big increase in demand and couple that with you just mentioned uh, investment companies going out. I know of a fund that's gone out and bought 14,000 houses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you might be seeing more and more of that because it's it's hard to find yield right now. And if you can get yield with rentals and, and spread that risk over thousands of houses, well then, hmm, huh, that may not be a bad place to go instead of buying a 10-year treasury at one and a half or whatever it's at. So yeah, I, I think... There, there's a lot of demand uh, features uh, for residences right now, but I think the foreign investor is going to come back around. We're going to start noticing that cash offers on a lot of things, driving prices up even more.
1: So with the unaffordability of housing in a lot of parts of the country, and particularly here in Seattle, we talked in the past about the average real estate prices here in this part of the country. Does that present more opportunity for investors, as you mentioned, to invest in funds that are buying this real estate and holding it? I mean, it just seems that the rental market is a place that's going to grow tremendously.
2: Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, I didn't even have that option. There really wasn't any way to to buy into a REITs and so forth that, that had single family residences. And now there is. So, Certainly, that is a way to own rental houses on a passive uh, way where you don't have to be the landlord and preferable for a lot of people, especially as they get older. I'm seeing a big increase in 1031 exchanges, people wanting to sell and, and reinvest passively and not be the active landlord anymore. But yeah, I, I think it's going to get harder and harder to buy houses. I mean, there there's also, you know, Congress trying to, President Biden's trying to eliminate Section 1031 exchange. And uh, I've mentioned this on the show before, you know, if if you want to uh, do some good. Uh, write your congressman right now and tell him to keep that thing around because prices are going to stay really high if, if there's no inventory out there. And I'm pretty much guarantee if they do away with tax-free exchanges, uh, people that own highly appreciated rentals are going to say, well, I'm not going to sell my house then. I'm not going to volunteer. Oh, you, you jacked up the tax rate at the same time. So now you want to take almost half of my money uh, if I sell my rental house? No, thank you. I'm not going to sell it then. And so what does that do to prices if the inventory is not... that? Well, that makes the prices go up. So you think I got a problem now? It's really going to be a problem if you pass not only uh, eliminate this section 1031 exchange, but couple that with a doubling of, essentially a doubling of the capital gains tax rate, that's a recipe for disaster. It won't increase government collections and taxation. I think it'll decrease it because people, this is a voluntary tax. You have to volunteer to sell your house. Mm. Uh, if you're not going to, if it's not worth it to you to sell it, you're not going to. And if you can't do a 1031 exchange, you're not gonna, so there's gonna, not gonna be the inventory out there. So let your Congressman know you're on top of this, that 1031s need to stay.
1: Brian, with the 1031 exchange possibly on the chopping block, I mean, people listening to this program may have investment in real estate. Is time of the essence? Would you suggest or possibly hint that maybe you try to do things sooner than later to take advantage of the 1031 with the possibility of it going away?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could do whatever they want this year, make it retroactive. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a support for that either uh, with all Democrats. But, if something, if it was taken away or, or greatly changed, I would predict, and I could be wrong here, but I would predict it wouldn't be till next tax year. So if you were going to sell it, you know, well, I'm thinking about listing my, my house in October, or maybe I'll wait till next February or, you know, I, I do it in October. If you want to do a 1031 exchange, I know today it's, it's part of the tax law. It's been there, you know, for over a hundred years, but come January 1st, uh, you know, if they pass something next year, make a retroactive January 1st, you might be in trouble. So uh, if you're going to do it anyway, and you have choice over timing, I certainly would do a 1031 sooner rather than later.
1: You're listening to Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. We're talking about current news and particularly real estate prices, the market and the economy. If you have at least $500,000 to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, we invite you to contact Madrona Financial Services to get your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. Call 844-MADRONA or you can request it online by visiting madronafinancial.com.
0: Time for a break, Brian. We'll be right back with our show after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals.
1: When you're researching something, weeding through all the available information can be daunting, especially when it concerns your retirement. What you want is a thorough analysis from an expert. Good news. Brian Evans of Majorna Financial Services has done that for you in his recently published ebook series Inside Retirement Investing, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. You can get your free copy by calling 844-MADRONA today or visit madronafinancial.com to download your free copy. The Inside Retirement Investing eBook series covers everything from the basics of retirement planning to investing to taxes and so much more. Call now to secure your free copy, 844-MADRONA. Madrona Madrona Financial Services provides a one-stop integrated approach to retirement planning, Schedule a complimentary no-obligation financial review to get on the path to achieving your retirement goals and get your free copy of the Inside Retirement Investing eBooks by calling 844-MADRONA or by visiting madronafinancial.com. At Madrona Financial Services, we believe you should never worry about running out of money in retirement. Retirement should be spent doing what you love with the people you love. The CPAs and financial advisors at Padrona Financial Services want you to know that with proper financial planning, that's exactly what you can have. Their goal is to do everything they can to help you achieve a financially secure future. They have many tools and ways to help you reach your retirement goals, from guaranteed lifetime income streams and protection against market losses to alternative real estate investments and strategies to minimize your taxes. With the Madrona Bundle of Services, they have everything you'll need to plan for retirement under one roof. So schedule your complimentary meeting today and get back to enjoying your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. They'll arrange a meeting at one of their three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future at madronafinancial.com.
0: Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services
2: and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we're going to talk about is now the right time to sell your real estate.
1: And Brian, we talked about these record high real estate prices and the causes of those happens to be low interest rates and there just is not enough supply for demand. Do you see that these interest rates, as low as they are, 3%, sub 3% are going to last much longer?
2: uh well that's that's a good question. I, you know We never know. I think the Fed wants them to be low for quite a while. They want the economy to to hum and they're going to keeping downward pressure on interest rates. That's their stated goal. They've also talked as we talked about on this show all the time about they're going to try and keep inflation down, but that they're not in charge of inflation. They're in charge of uh, overnight borrowing rates to banks that is relent out to people. That's interest rates, but uh, well, they they influence interest rates anyway, uh, but they don't influence nearly as much. Uh, not in fact, negatively sometimes on inflation. We're seeing um, the uh, thing I don't understand is when our politicians say if we put all this money in the economy, we're going to control inflation at the same time. I like, No, that's the opposite. Uh, you must have got a D or an F in your <laughs> economics 101 class. I got an A, and, I can t- <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that if you pump trillions of dollars in the economy, you have more inflation than you had before. I'm pretty sure about that, Jeff. But back to uh, uh, the housing market. Yeah, I had an interesting uh, client meeting this week. As They said, well, we were thinking about selling our real estate because our realtor said- that prices are not going to stay up. They're going to drop.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of real estate prices drop, except during the housing crisis there of uh, 07, 08, which was a different situation. But the general consensus is that although real estate prices are high, they're not going to drop 15, 20% year over year. So I guess the question would be on, you know, what was the basis for that comment?
2: Well, that, that was a good comment there because that's what I asked. I said, <laughs> "Really? Okay. Well, what was his data point? What was his argument? What What are the factors leading to a decrease in real estate prices? You know, we don't know. I could be wrong. I could be right. He could be wrong. He could be right. But I just said, "Okay, what What did he state? And He said, "Well, the uh, the taxes that Ainsley's going to propose and so forth." And I said, "Well, all right. Taxes can affect prices, but in this case, the." Inslee capital gains tax, the unconstitutional capital gains tax that was just passed, would not apply to real estate. So that really argument really didn't hold for me. And, uh, you know, the other argument is, well, things are up, they can't stay up forever. I'm like, well, sure they can. I mean, that's the nature of things. My parents bought their first house for $1,500. I bought my first house for $86,500. Prices go up. Uh, that's just the nature of things. So that they, they don't go up in a straight line, or does the market? And you know, we talked about on this show. I remember working as an adult, and the Dow was fifteen hundred. Now it's thirty five thousand. You know, things go up over time, generally speaking, in real estate and stocks uh, across the, the broad markets. So I, I started pointing out the reasons for why that argument of people are leaving the state of Washington. Yeah, some people are and that has a a, you know an effect of lowering a price on a house but there's a lot of reasons why they're high you mentioned the interest rates Uh, interest rates all-time low you can buy a lot more house for a lot less monthly payment we've got covid related working from home people can work from home now the suburbs and other parts of the country can flourish because people can move out of the cities we've got baby boomers retiring in large numbers and a lot of them are selling looking to buy somewhere else you know, and and all of that. And we've got a lot of millennials that are starting to have kids and they're moving out of apartments into houses, you know, with yards and so forth. Uh, We've got, you know, high demand for housing. But I think the big driver besides interest rate is jobs. We have a great jobs market in the Seattle market. So I went through all these factors with my client and they were like, yeah, I kind of kind of agree with you that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons why The real estate market should continue to hum along, especially in the Puget Sound area. We couldn't come up with a lot of reasons why it was going to have a dramatic drop.
1: Yeah, it just sounds like that realtor was basically fishing for a listing there. So, you know, prey upon emotions and prey upon fear there. I think it's important to know how your home or property sale is going to be taxed if you do sell it. And I understand that those rules possibly could be changing a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, if you have lived in a house for more than two of the last five years that you're going to sell, you want to consider taking advantage of the exclusion from taxation on the first 250000 or the first 500000 if you're married. I did recently um, talk to somebody and they, unfortunately they had moved out of the house three and a half years ago. Well, okay, they weren't able to take their exclusion, but uh, you know, we, we worked out something else in this, this case, a 1031 exchange. But you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to make my house a rental. And the one thing to remember about that is if you have a more than, let's say you have a more than $500,000 gain and you turn it into a rental for three and a half years and then you decide to sell it, you've really converted that to an investment property. You can't take advantage of the $500,000 exclusion. And so, Uh, If they jack up capital gains rates, which is the plan uh, the Biden administration wants to do, you might be paying, you know, six figures in income tax that you didn't have to otherwise pay. So you might be better off, a lot of people are better off just selling their previous residence. And if you want a rental, fine, go buy a rental, start with a fresh new basis, Mm -hmm. but take advantage of that $500,000 exclusion first.
1: Brian, what would be a hypothetical example of someone who really should be selling their property right now, should sell investment real estate? Why would this be the time to act rather than later?
2: Yeah, if it's investment real estate as opposed to your principal residence, because uh, I, I get, they're completely different questions. Because I've also, you know, back on the principal residence side, I've had people say, I'm thinking about selling now, and now the prices are high. Then I'm going to wait a couple of years. I'm going to buy somewhere else where they're low. I say, well, that that ship has sailed. <laughs> you know, yeah. and this person in this case, was, they were talking about Boise, which we've talked about on this show, I think is up 70% year over year. It's like, right. that ship has sailed. <laughs> those low prices in those areas aren't low anymore. (laughs) So... Even areas you didn't think, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about Anacortis and she said, well, God, there's a there's lot below me. It doesn't have a view. It has a double-wide mobile and they want 600000 for it. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, that, things have changed in Anacortis So <laughs> it's kind of everywhere, especially in the Pacific Northwest. But, uh, you know, I I just think if you're out of the market. Well, here's another another situation I had. I was talking to somebody, their kid was going to save up for a house to get a significant down payment. I said, well, okay, I, I get that, but while they spend the time to save up another fifty thousand, let's yeah. say it takes them two years, the cost of that house probably went up two hundred or three hundred thousand during that time. So are they really ahead? I mean, yeah, they have fifty thousand dollars more and now but now they gotta come up with another fifty thousand <laughs> just for the down right. on the increase in value. So they didn't get ahead at all by being out of the market. And then I, I shared with them in the state of Washington there are programs for first-time homebuyers, or you can put as little as 3% down. So rather than wait and save up lots and lots of down payment money, I would encourage people to think about if it's especially if it's your first house, take advantage of the three percent down programs. Get into a house because before you know it, I mean, what we've been seeing. Gee, I just bought my first house and I looked on yeah. Zillow and it's up twenty percent. I've right. only been there a year. I'm I'm already up two hundred grand or whatever. You know, yeah, it's pretty crazy out there.
1: Yeah, and if you put down less than twenty percent of that house, you'll have to pay uh, private mortgage insurance. And, you know, that is maybe adds a couple of hundred dollars a month to that monthly price. But with the appreciation that PMI will go away much sooner than you thought that it really would.
2: Yeah, certainly you can get that taken off. Uh, A lot of people probably need to take it off after the first year uh, recently because prices went up more than 20 percent. Now you got more than 20 percent equity in your house. And so, you know, and, I, and I don't know that's it's going to continue at that rate. I mean, I, you know, that would be highly unlikely we would have 20 on top of 20 on top of 20. But I still think that there's the economics of it have real estate prices going up in this region. And, and I, I've not met anybody that says, gosh, darn, it, I wish I hadn't bought real estate so young yeah. in my life. <laughs> I really regret that now because now I'm stuck with all this appreciation. You know, I just I haven't met that person. So this is one of those generalities. I'm not you know, I don't try and give specific investment advice, but a general generality would be if you're younger, it's better to buy real estate than if it it is when you're older.
1: Brian, we've primarily been talking about uh, residential real estate houses. Let's talk about commercial real estate. If you're investing in commercial real estate, has commercial real estate seen the sort of gains that residential real estate has? And with people working from home, what is the future of owning commercial real estate?
2: Well, commercial real estate has seen some pretty significant gains. Not maybe as much as residential, but uh, because of compressed cap rates. And what I mean by that is uh, the amount of earnings, the rents that, that you expect to receive, your expectations, you know, nationally have dropped, and so. Uh, if you're uh, getting a certain amount of rent, people are willing to pay more to get that. And so uh, the prices have gone up there. Now, a lot of people are, especially people that own rentals, you know, we've talked about as you age, you might want to consider a 1031 exchange into a Delaware statutory trust, so you don't have to be a landlord. But we have another factor coming up here. The federal moratorium on um, evictions has just passed, uh, end of July there. And now we're looking at uh, the city of Seattle and other cities around have a September 30th moratorium. Well, what happens after that? I mean, it's hard to sell a rental house. I mean, and you may want to sell it because, okay, my tenant hasn't paid me in a year. I can't do anything about it. Uh, It's hard for me to sell a house that gets no rents. And uh, you know, there's someone in it. Uh, I can't show it. So it really put, uh, you know, a kibosh on people's plans sometimes, and they want out. They just want to be done with this uh, landlording in Seattle. Well, what happens after September 30th when they can do something about their situation for the first time in a long time? Well, you might see a lot of them decide, I am listing this house. I'm right. getting my tenant out. I'm gonna list it. Uh, I'm going to get out of this market. I'm going to do a 1031 exchange. I'm going to or I'm going to pay the tax. I'm going to do a Delaware Statutory Trust, not pay the tax and not be a landlord and continue to get rents elsewhere. So I think there's going to be a I think there's a big pin up demand that's going to happen uh, after September 30th. Now, I don't know how quickly evictions go through. And and, you know, frankly, you know, I'm Nobody wants this. I don't think tenants wanted to not be able to pay their rents. I don't think land—I know landlords didn't want to not collect rents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, here we are. That's just where we are. So I think there's uh, a lot of landlords that kind of felt uh, uh, like they were carrying a brunt of the burden of the negative negative to the COVID stuff, you know, along with their tenants, but certainly uh, governments passed rules that negatively affected landlords. And I think a lot of them were just kind of done with that whole thing and, and they're going to want out. So I think we're going to see a big increase in DSTs post September 30th.
1: Yeah. And of course, you do talk about DSTs here. I know that you have done a lot of research on DSTs. It's one of the many uh, services that you offer at Madrona Financial Services. So if you have questions about real estate investment, real estate, selling your real estate, uh, Delaware, or a statutory trust at 1031 exchange anything like that that pertains to investment real estate highly encourage you to give madrona financial services a call once again if you've got five hundred thousand dollars or more to invest you're looking to hire a new financial advisor someone who does know about real estate dsts at 1031 exchange you can call madrona financial services to get your complimentary no cost no obligation financial plan by calling 844 madrona 844-MADRONA, or you can request it online at madronafinancial.com. Another
0: break just ahead. Brian, we'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss.
2: When you need something important done around the house, you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on, or even if it's right for them? Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844 Madrona. That's 844 Madrona, or visit them online at MadronaFinancial.com. That's MadronaFinancial.com. If the fuel gauge in your car was
1: broken, would you know how far you could drive before running out of gas? You know, not knowing how long your money will last in retirement is a lot like driving a car with a broken fuel gauge. You just don't know how far you can go. At Madrona Financial Services, we want you to know that there's no need to live with the stress of uncertainty. At Madrona Financial, we have insurance-based solutions that can guarantee lifetime income, protect you from market losses, and even provide for your loved ones and as a CPA and personal financial specialist, we scrutinize every product we offer. If you want to learn how to create a secure lifetime income stream, protect your money from market losses, provide for your loved ones, and potentially reduce your tax burden, schedule your complimentary meeting today. Call 844-MADRONA or visit us at madronafinancial.com. We'll arrange a meeting at one of our three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future
0: Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian
2: Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to take some listener questions.
1: And Brian, we get questions every week here on the show. If you've got questions, you can go to the website madronafinancial.com. You can email them to us from there, or you can give Laura a call at the front desk, 844-MADRONA, and tell her you have a question for us. First question is, Ed, Ed listens to us in Mill Creek and Ed says, I'm obsessed with the retirement planning process and have tons of anxiety about it. I can't get to a sufficient comfort level not to stress out about it, resulting in many sleepless nights. Do you have any advice on how to handle this stress?
2: Yes, I do. Uh, And I have seen this many times. People are just completely uh, stressed out. And one thing is if you do one more spreadsheet, that will not reduce your stress. If you do 10 more spreadsheets, again, that will not reduce your stress. (laughs) You can do 100 more (laughs) and I can go on and on. I mean, you know, people love to do their spreadsheets to try to figure all this stuff out. And I've seen spreadsheets uh, out for 40 years on how much utilities are going to cost or whatever. I'm like, wow, okay, I don't know how much anything's going to be in 40 years. But, you know, I see that. And so those spreadsheets generally aren't a big help. And, you know, I understand the dilemma here. You want to know you're going to be OK. And so that's why we offer our financial plans, because we've taken everything into account that we can and have very good assumptions built in and taxes and inflation and required minimum distributions and all the things that you really can't capture in a spreadsheet and then options for how to get there. So by seeing that on paper, I have seen so much anxiety lifted from people. They go, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? Well, it looks like I'm going to have more money than I can spend. Yep. Well, what if I uh, want to buy a new car and, and do this and that and the other? I said, well, let's plug it in then. Well, it didn't really change anything. Yep, that's right. Oh, well, aren't your numbers kind of conservative? I said, yep. Oh, well, shouldn't I end up with more money than you're even showing me? I said, yeah. Well, I'm going to be just fine, aren't I? Yeah. You know, that's often how the, you know, I, I usually say more than yeah over and over, but that that is often how the meetings go after we've done a complete financial plan.
1: And it sounds like Ed is maybe trying to do it himself, and so he is carrying that burden of the stress on his own shoulders. And if you transfer the stress to a confident financial planner such as yourself, Brian, I mean, that can do a lot of good insofar as having some sleepless nights. So Ed, thank you so much for that question. We invite you to call 844-MADRONA and get your confidential and comp. Complementary is a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan, and you will see that stress melt away. Next question. Terry and her husband listen to us in Tacoma, and she says, my husband and I are 63. We have $550,000 in retirement plans. Social security will cover our minimum dignity floor in retirement. Should I take the lump sum option for my pension or the lifetime benefit?
2: Yeah, I have a definite answer to that. Uh, definitely, it depends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> everybody's different, and yeah. so that's a tough call because what's more important to you—the security of knowing exactly how much you're going to have, or the potential for future growth and liquidity? because they're two different things. Uh, And same thing with stock market. It's kind of like if you have stock market investments, well, should I sell my stock market and buy an annuity that pays me for life? Well, stock markets are really good at growth and security. They're not very good at cash flow and safety. And annuities aren't so great at growth and liquidity, but they're really good sometimes at cash flow and security. So they do different things. They're different tools for the job. So which tool do you want? Which is more important to you? And that answer could be different for everybody. And very often, it's completely different for the spouses. One of the spouses, I'm all about security. I just want to know I have enough to pay my bills. And the other one's, well, I like investing in the market and the REITs and all that. I, I want to grow my money. And so now we've got, oh, we've got a disconnect in our own household here. And the answer probably in that case was, what did you say, 500000 there, Jeff?
1: Yeah, $550,000. Hmm. 250000
2: in growth and liquidity and 250000 in cash flow and security. Yeah. I think everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> so that might be the answer there. Uh, but in this case, if it's an all or nothing decision where it's like it's a lump sum, let's say it's a Boeing uh, pension. That's a tougher call, and so we have to really do a a plan and, and do an analysis of who you are as a person and an investor and what you're looking for.
1: Terry, thanks for that question. And thank you to your uh, husband for listening to us every week. And if you have a question for us, once again, go to madronafinancial.com and pose it there. Next question comes from Randy, who's listening to us in Bellevue, Brian. And he writes, my brother is 67 and has $2.5 million in net worth. He's got $900,000 in a traditional IRA, and I'm worried he'll have tax issues down the road with that huge IRA. He earns about $45,000 a year and doesn't have money to pay taxes on conversions. What should he do? Is it worth doing a Roth conversion for him?
2: Well, it, it could be. I mean, certainly uh, as you're asking that question, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, one of my CPA employees has a little projections to do here because I uh, generally with Roth conversions, we want to max out the 12% bracket at least. Uh, that's a pretty low bracket. And certainly the required minimum distributions off the 900,000 is probably going to generate, I don't know, 35,000 a year in taxable income plus or minus off the top of my head. And then on top of what he has, you know, I need to know if he's married or not because there's a lot of room under the 12% bracket there that they could do a conversion or just take more money out of the IRA and have extra money to pay taxes with. That's okay to do too. I don't mind paying taxes. You know, the goal is not to get out of taxes. The goal is to pay the taxes at a low rate. And so that's why I say take advantage of the 12% rate or even the 22 or 24 if you think they're low for your situation. But uh, that's, you know, this is a, a we, do some tax estimates along with answering this question.
1: All right. Thanks so much for that question. Next one is Richard in Everett, Washington. And he says, I'm considering an annuity for some safe money in retirement. I have about $350,000 to spend. I have two questions for you, Brian. What types of annuity can I buy that will guarantee income for life? And if I change my mind, how long after I've made the purchase, can I back out?
2: Okay, so with a fixed index annuity, there's two primary purposes. One would be just safe money. I will call that a CD alternative, something that we know can't go down. And we think we'll earn much more than a CD would. Okay, well, that's one. And the other one is, we'll call it a pension-like alternative. Uh, pension-like meaning uh, you put your money into the annuity, and at some future date, you can start getting monthly checks for as long as you live. Those come in flat checks, or you can do some that have increases over time, and so they have an accelerator built into their their program. So those are different types of annuities. Now, as to the question of when you can get out, if you're thinking about getting out and and, you, I kind of want to make sure I can get out in three or four years, do you have an annuity for that? No, (laughs) they're not liquid it's kind of like that lump sum pension decision. Let's say you worked at Boeing and they say, okay, you can have a pension for the rest of your life or the lump sum. You don't get to change your mind after a few years and go, well, I was taking the pension, but I've changed my mind, I want the lump sum now. You can change your mind with an annuity, but there will be a significant surrender penalty if you take it out early. So if you're thinking you might want to take the money out, don't buy the annuity in the first place. Only buy the annuity that pays your lifetime cash flow if you know you can do without that money. The lump sum, you know, the, the amount that you're funding the annuity with. Only do it if, if you know that you don't need that for liquidity or some emergency, then you can consider having that uh, lifetime cash flow because who wouldn't want that? Well, somebody that might need their lump sum or their liquidity.
1: All right. Good question there. Next one comes from Daryl, who listens to us in Renton. And he asks, where should we be putting our money if not in savings? Should I be investing aggressively long term in the market to get the most bang for my buck?
2: Well, yeah, I would like to get a time machine out and (laughs) take take us back a bit and invest aggressively in the market. So we don't know. Uh, So again, it depends. But assuming that Daryl doesn't have some use for the money that, you know, I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to buy a car, I, I need it for something in particular. It's just savings. It's just money. I don't know. I just, it's just kind of my nest egg. Figure out how much you need for an estate liquidity and, and for all those surprise events that may come up down the road, have money stashed away for that. But I know a lot of people have a lot more than they need. You know, maybe you have five hundred thousand you might say, Well, I, I could see having a hundred grand, but not five hundred. And so generally, though, if if you've had that much cash, you you may not be a market investor. That may not be the thing that makes you feel okay. And you may not get good sleep, you know, if if you're in the market. I mean, obviously, as a financial advisor, I would, would, you know, most of my clients will have money in the market. They'll have some in real estate. They'll have some in safe money alternatives. They might have, you know, a little bit of everything. And so I I like that mix of different asset types. But not everybody's the same. I got family members with a lot of cash in the bank. They just... (laughs) Mm-hmm. They don't want to do anything with it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But at a minimum, you might consider a fixed index annuity that could potentially pay you a lot more than a CD could pay. So at least you have some decent earnings during certain years. When the market's doing well and you're not taking any risk on the downside so there's different levels of risk and and you know we'd have these conversations with with uh daryl in this case as to uh what makes him tick and and what else he's got and and what his fears are and concerns and so forth but the 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 key is to not come into that as a financial advisor and go i sell annuities so i'm going to make sure this guy buys annuity or I hate annuities and you should too. I'm gonna make sure that 500,000 ends up in the stock market. Too many people in my industry Already know what you should be in. It's whatever they sell, <laughs> and so don't you know. Be aware of that. If they're just, it sounds like you're being sold something. You probably are, mm-hmm. and so be aware of that. Daryl,
1: thanks for that question. Thanks to all of our uh, listeners who send in questions. Once again, you can send them in by going to MadronaFinancial.com and emailing them to us from there, or you can get Laura call eight four four Madrona. She'll take them down for us if we use your question on the air. Uh, Brian, I think we have a lot of uh, complete books of retirement up in the closet. We will send you one of those. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Once again, $500,000 to invest. If you have at least that, you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, get your complimentary new cost, no obligation financial plan by calling 844-MADRONA or request it online at madronafinancial.com.
0: Time for a break. We'll be right back with our final segment after this discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. Yesterday, I was talking about fixed indexed annuity
2: crediting strategies, and these are the strategies that you can select that determine how much money you make in a given year. I talked about the fixed strategy. I talked about investing in ones with ceilings or caps, also ones with spreads. There's also something called a part participation rate, so what that means is let's say your participation rate in a particular index is 50%. If that index went up 6% you get 3. If it went up 20% you get 10, so they don't have a ceiling on them. If it went down 20% you get a zero because they all have a floor. So you get a percentage of the increase when it's up and a zero when it's down. That's a participation rate. There's also something called a volatility controlled index. That's a new kind of index that a lot of fixed index annuity companies are coming up with. That's where they have some kind of a smart computer index that's saying uh, we're going to adjust between stocks and bonds and different things to try and get you a more consistent return. These do not have a ceiling either. There's something called point to point. Point to point means that's just the measurement period, so let's say you pay a two-year point-to-point and the first year your index went up 10, the next year you went down 10, you didn't get any gain. But if you have a one-year point-to-point, you'd have a gain in the first year and you'd pretend the second year didn't happen. And finally, there's mix and match. You can mix and match these strategies. Let's say you're not sure which one's going to be better. You can do
0: 50-50 or third-third-third or any kind of mix you want using these different strategies. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, investments, retirement, taxes, and legacy, madronafinancial.com. Call now and get a copy of Brian's book, The Little Red Book of Retirement, The Basics of Retirement Investing.
1: From taxes to lifestyle tips, you'll gain valuable insights as you plan for retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit
0: madronafinancial.com. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO
2: of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about, will you sell a business when you retire?
1: And Brian, I think the first step is determining whether or not you have a saleable business. I think a lot of people confuse jobs with saleable businesses. So uh, what is the difference between a job and a business that actually has some value?
2: Yeah, I mean, let's say that you're a personal service kind of thing. You're a psychologist and it's just you or you own a painting business and it's pretty much just you or whatever it is, if it's just you, well, that's a job. You can't really sell your, your skill set to another person. You can sell your goodwill, a book of business. Uh, if you have a turnkey organization and you have other people that are trained and, and you, you know you have contracts and all that stuff, that stuff makes it potentially sellable. But even if you have all of that stuff, you may not still have a business because if you don't make enough over and above what you would make as an employee, you really don't have anything to sell. So businesses that can sell are turnkey that, that you know, you someone else can walk into and pick up where you left off and still be very profitable and much more profitable than just working somewhere. So it has to have excess earnings over and above that to really be considered a business in my opinion.
1: So if I have ABC Trucking Company and you know my employees run the trucks or all that sort of thing, that is a, the sort of business that could be sold and has inventory. Let's say that I have a medical practice and I'm a doctor or maybe I'm a veterinarian. Is that the sort of practice that can be sold?
2: Well there's the exception to the rule cuz I just mentioned uh, if you're, you know, sole practitioner and it's pretty much you, uh, it's very difficult to sell. But if you're a veterinarian, you absolutely can sell that because there's some consolidators out there going around buying up veterinary clinics, mm-hmm. bringing in younger staff, they transition because you have this, you know, all these people that are used to coming to you with their pets. They're not looking to move, and so there's goodwill associated with that. Profitability can be very high in those markets. So actually the prices have been really good for vets lately. I've worked with a lot of vets lately yeah. that have sold their practices or, or other businesses like that. So just because I say, you know, a personal service is hard to sell, doesn't mean your particular one is. Uh, it might be very easy to sell. You might have a lot of suitors for it. So that's why, you know, I get some good advice on on this area because it's uh, it can be a monumental decision where, you know, I, I've seen just little veterinary places, you know, it didn't look like anything special from the outside. And they're walking away with five, six million dollars. Yeah. You go, wow, I never would have thought that uh, this little, uh, funny little animal place was making that kind of money. So, it, a lot of it depends on the money you're making, the, the uh, again, the goodwill, the recurrence of revenue. Recurring revenue is huge when selling a business as opposed to one-off sales. So if you, you can demonstrate recurring revenue with high profitability, you probably have something decent to sell.
1: So, Brian, if I've determined that my business is a business that can be sold, how do I determine an asking price or what the business is worth? Is it generally a multiple of cash flow or a multiple of profit? How does it work?
2: Yeah, it's a multiple, generally a multiple of adjusted cash flow, adjusted for your own personal services, uh, the replacement cost of that, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, EBITDA is a commonly used uh, feature of that. Sometimes there's multiples that are consistent within an industry. Sometimes you have consolidators uh, they are buying, you know, corporate buys, but a lot of people are selling to their, you know, internally to their key staff uh, or the, to their children for that matter and turning the business over that way. So you can do that uh, either where they pay you over time. Uh, a lot of the consolidators, they'll come in and they'll pay you a bunch of money up front, But keep you on for, you know, maybe... Contracted to work another one, two years, whatever, and then pay you something at the end, depending on whether that profitability stayed there or the recurring revenue stayed there, and so forth. So you have an incentive to have a really strong transition to the new owner ownership group. And so there's a lot that goes into not only the valuation, who the buyer would be, how you're going to get paid out over time, how much upfront, non-competes, all that kind of stuff. The taxation, you know, everything gets taxed differently. Uh, when you do have a contract to sell you're, you've got goodwill which one rate capital gains rate maybe you got equipment you got inventory non-compete you got salary you got different you know installments these are all, all everything i just mentioned may have a different tax implication
1: Brian we've mentioned before about the fact that when you sell your home you know i uh, paint the place i make sure that the hardwood floors are polished and the landscaping is done and all that i pretty much uh, then have someone come in and stage the house i'm not using my own furniture is there a way to go about staging a business so that it appeals better to a potential buyer and that you get more for it.
2: Absolutely. First off, make sure your financials are tight and up to date and accurate. Uh, you know that is huge because every time something, if I am looking at financials, I am like, "Well, where is your accrued salaries?" Oh, well, no, we just we don't bother with that, or uh, gee, your your balance sheet doesn't seem to balance. Uh, every time I have something that I have a question mark, price just went down. So you just keep adding a bunch of question marks. <laughs> Guess what? The price goes down each time. So take away the question marks. It's, you know, Make sure that that's up to date. Make sure your business is, you know, that you have customer lists, that you have comparables to prior periods so that people can see trends and, and so forth. And, and that you have trained people and that their place looks good. I mean, just... People care about that kind of stuff. They have a good presentation of stuff. So all this stuff does matter. And so it's so important to get, get that right. But you're right. The staging of a business is just as important as the staging of your real estate.
1: Brian, when people want to sell a business, they're thinking about selling a business. I mean, are there brokers that sell businesses just like there are brokers that sell residential real estate?
2: There is. And, you know, there's good ones and not good ones. So that's difficult to sometimes figure out. But a lot of people don't use brokers because they already know they're going to sell to their family members. They're going to sell to their key employee. They're going to sell to the consolidator, you know, that bought their friends' businesses in in other cities around them or whatever. And so a lot of people already kind of have that figured out. A lot of people just let their business go. They determine, well, I don't really have anything to sell. I'm a sole practitioner, CPA, and I've got a part-time person that does the coordination of the returns and that's it. So yeah, that's not really a business to sell. You do have recurring revenue. Someone might give you a few bucks for it, but there's not a lot there. So a lot of people just turn it over to somebody for nothing. But certainly uh, if you're selling a business, consider uh, the factors that we talked about today. And especially if you're thinking about buying a business, uh, as I mentioned on previous shows, there is going to be great opportunity to buy into businesses from baby boomers that want to sell. Uh, There'll be huge amounts of business transition in the next five to 10 years or starting now for the next 10 years. I would say that great opportunity for a young person to maybe take over a seasoned business from somebody that wants out.
1: So Brian, if I'm thinking about selling my business, is time of the essence? Is right now the best time to sell a business or, you know, could you wait five years? I mean, when uh, is the best time to strike?
2: Uh, when you get out of bed and you go, gosh, I wish I didn't have to go into work today. (laughs) That's probably a good time to think about selling your business. If you get out of bed and go, gosh, I'm so excited. I get to go to work today. Probably not a good time to sell your business. (laughs) It's always a good time to think about what that future sale is going to look like and when and plan for that. Planning is always better than not planning. These are just some basics, I would say. But if you love what you're doing, it's, it's not really work. So if you don't love what you're doing, it's job. And if it's you have the choice of maybe getting it out. Uh, you might want to consider uh, doing that.
1: Brian, does Madrona Financial help with all of the aspects of selling a business or buying a business that you just talked about?
2: I would say most of them. We certainly can help with most of them. Uh, We're not business brokers and we're not attorneys. And you're going to need – you definitely need an attorney on this and you may need a broker, but we can certainly help with taxation, just general questions ar- around it. Uh, the accounting side of things, understanding value, you know we're not we're not going to do a valuation, official valuation either. but we're going to look at that and we'll be able to have that discussion. I mean I, although I can't do an, I'm, I'm not a licensed valuation person, I certainly uh, have my opinions. I can look at something and kind of have a sense of where, what direction to go from there.
1: And I know that you have attempted to buy other accounting firms in the past and have been somewhat aghast when you go in there that even the CPA firm doesn't keep good records and doesn't know what it's worth.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember that one. I had about 20 question marks in about 20 minutes. and I was out the door. I was like, man, you don't even know. You're an accountant. You don't even know what you're making. And he was trying to snow me a little bit, I think. And I'm like, well, come on, man. I've been a CPA for my whole life. Don't try and snow me on CPA stuff. So that, yeah, I did not buy that firm. I I bought some other ones, but uh, not that one.
1: Well, if you've got questions about anything that we've talked about on the show today, and we have talked about a lot of things, once again, the number to call to ask your specific individual questions questions to get the answers that are custom tailored to you. It does uh, involve that financial plan that is complimentary, no cost and no obligation for that. For our loyal listeners, new listeners, any listeners that we have, you have at least $500,000 or more to invest in, you would like your questions answered about taxes and real estate and estate planning and legacy insurance, all that sort of thing. Call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or of course, you can request your plan online at madronafinancial.com. Out of time for this week. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for your time. Thanks to our listeners. Get out there, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of
2: Growing Your Wealth. This is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans, CPA, and host of the Growing Your Wealth radio show. If you're close to or in retirement and don't have a tax plan, get one. It could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. Our country has been spending like never before, and that tax bill is coming. At Madrona Financial Services, we help build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to help keep more of your gains. Take action and call us at 844-MADRONA to schedule a retirement tax analysis today. That's 844-MADRONA. After World War II, taxes reached 90% and were as high as 70% in the 80s. Don't be caught off guard. You can retire right and on your terms. Call to schedule a virtual or in-person review. Our number is 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. If taxes are
1: keeping you from selling your highly appreciated income property, Madrona Financial Services has an exciting offer for commercial real estate owners. We have a team that's solely dedicated to helping real estate investors defer the taxes on the sale of their highly appreciated income property with a Delaware Statutory Trust. A DST qualifies as a 1031 like-kind exchange, so you can potentially defer your gains and reinvest them in income-producing commercial properties. And best of all, you can invest in a DST without any of the hassles or responsibilities of being a landlord or property manager. When you work with Madrona Financial Services, you'll be working with a team of CPAs and investment advisors with extensive DST experience. Now you have the freedom to sell your highly appreciated income property, still enjoy the benefits of investing in real estate, and potentially defer the taxes on your income property with a 1031 exchange. Learn more at 844-MADRONA or visit us at madrona1031.com.